0: Welcome back to The Vault. I've got a special announcement before we get to this week's episode. Arjan has just launched a new podcast called Profit First for Lawyers. If you'd like to learn how to boost your law firm's profits and experience financial confidence like never before, you'll wanna listen and subscribe to this podcast. And on August 28th, he's releasing Profit First for Lawyers as a hardcover book as well. You can get all of the details and order the book at www.profitfirstforlawyers.com.
1: Welcome inside the vault. This is a collection of previously unreleased lessons from eight-figure entrepreneurial mastermind Arjun Robbins. And in case you didn't see the warning label, this content can be explicit and is for serious entrepreneurs only. Today, we're going back to Arjun's financial controls episode from his lawyers MBA webinar series with Daniel's Head Insurance Agency. He explains why so many businesses plateau at around $250,000 in revenue and exactly what it takes to push past that benchmark. Let's go to the vault.
2: Working with Arjan is like having a
1: shortcut to future you.
2: Every time I can have an opportunity to spend time with Arjun, I try to take it and be a spunk.
1: I thought everyone was crazy. You know, they were
0: running to the front of the stage to see this person. Arjun's wearing his crazy shirt. You
1: know, he drinks tiger blood in the morning just for fun, and he's like
0: breathing down my throat. Sometimes it's terrifying to work with him. It's like he's looking into your soul, but it's it's growth the whole way.
2: What is the, the the best next step for them to start like actually installing this into the practice? Right. So
1: we could do a whole other thing on how to do the work yourself, but that's not my recommendation. My recommendation is that you hire a bookkeeper who doesn't suck, who can give you these reports Because then you can do the fun part, which is the analysis, right? Your bookkeeper every month should give you a 12-month forward-looking budget. Every month, your bookkeeper should revise and update your budget for the next 12 months going forward. Your bookkeeper every month should give you a profit and loss statement, which tells you how much revenue came in, category by category by category, where the expenses were, category by category by category, did you make a profit, or was there a loss? Every month, your bookkeeper should give you a balance sheet. Uh, how many a- What assets did you start the month with? How many assets, what assets did you end the month with? How much liability did you start the month with? How much liability did you end the month with? And how much equity did you gain? Or how much equity did you lose as a result of all of this activity? So profit loss is cash flow. Balance sheet is equity. Two very different concepts, not to be confused. But your bookkeeper should give you these reports and your bookkeeper should walk you through these reports and help you understand what these reports are telling you. If your bookkeeper is not giving you these reports, that's a problem. You need to find a better bookkeeper. Uh, Or maybe say to your bookkeeper, if I paid you more, would you actually do the job that I need done? Um, And then your bookkeeper should walk you through this stuff. So, uh, budget, budget variance report, cash flow projection. So you take that 12-month budget that I was talking about, right? And now you break it down into the next six to eight weeks, week by week by week by week. Week one, beginning cash balance, $100,000. How much cash do we expect to bring in during this week? $10,000. At the end of the week, we expect to start $100,000 plus $10,000, $110,000. And what expenses do we expect to incur this first week? Uh, $90,000. How much cash do we expect to end the week with? $20,000, which means next week, we expect to start the week with $20,000. And we expect to bring in $50,000, which means 20 plus 50 is 70. And how much expense do we expect to incur? We expect to incur $71,000. Hold on a second. Wait a second. That means we're going to be in a loss, which means we need to tap into the line of credit or we need to call some of the vendors and say, hey, can I pay you next week? Or we need to call some of the uh, people who owe us money and get them to pay us earlier. But the point is we, we we know this weeks in advance. You know, If you tell me that I've got a cash crunch today, there's nothing I can do. If you tell me I got a cash crunch taking you know that's, that's, that's gonna happen a week from now, I can kind of buckle up and brace myself but you tell me that I got a cash crunch six weeks from now I have lots of things I could do to prevent that from happening. you know what I mean? yep but without a cash flow projection, what ends up happening is owners of law firms it's like they're driving 80 miles an hour down this down a road. And all of a sudden, they go flying off a cliff because no one told them there's a sharp left turn coming up.
2: Yeah, it's like driving uh, in the rearview mirror—you can't see what's in front of you.
1: Yeah, driving, see, using the budget. Review. So, so twelve-month forward-looking budget, a monthly budget variance report, a weekly cash flow projection. Uh, you want you want to have a cash balance. You want to know how much cash do you have in your operating account how much cash do you have in your trust account and how much do you have, how much cash do you have in some of your reserve accounts that hope you're putting money aside in reserve accounts for future expenses. Um, and, and you need to know uh, budget, budget, variance, cash flow projection, uh, cash on hand. Oh, and work in progress. Work you've got going on now that's in the pipeline that's not yet ready to be billed. When is that work going to come out the end of the pipeline and we can turn it into revenue coming in? You put these five reports in place and you will transform the quality of your life. In the beginning, it might be for the worse, which is why most people don't do it because it's scary and it's intimidating. And maybe you don't like what you're seeing. But, you know, you want to be, you know, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is just ignorant. Once you see what's the truth, then you can do something about it. So there's a there's a lot there
2: that you just uh, sort of unpacked. Yeah, um, a lot. I'm sorry, one fast. No, you're good. Is there? Um, don't I definitely would not recommend them doing this themselves. So other than uh, obviously hiring, how to manage to go do these things for them? Is there particular guidance that you would say? that you would want them to go to a bookkeeper and say um, how I want you to step up. Like, are are you looking to the bookkeeper to make these changes with the reports? Are you hoping that the law firm owner would say, and take the information you just, you know, you know uh, delivered and go to the bookkeeper or like how, what is, what would be some of the next tactical steps after sharing what you just shared that someone could go take and implement if they already have that bookkeeper in progress? Like you say, hey, these are the four things I want you to go do, and then right, fingers so, crossed and hope for the best. So,
1: yeah. So, so my big message: if, if you if if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, and you learn nothing else from this entire podcast, this entire episode, learn this. I want you to be a proactive, engaged, informed consu- informed consumer of the bookkeeping. And accounting services that you are paying for. Do not abdicate this to your bookkeeper or your accountant. Uh, There is no credential. There is no, well, my accountant is a CPA from Harvard University who is the best CPA in the world. You'll know someone's a great CPA and you'll know someone's a great bookkeeper when they are very solicitous of your input into how these reports are set up. And when they're very solicitous uh, and they insist insistent upon going through the reports with you, if they're not asking you for your input, if they're not telling you, Hey, I want you to look at this report and I want to make sure you understand that report. That doesn't mean they're a good bookkeeper. It means they're a bad bookkeeper. One of the elements that I think that uh, is
2: worth sort of addressing is. I've done the thing. I've had the bookkeeper. I've done some of these elements, but I'm also doing a lot of the other things you've you've talked about over the last while. And the practice is starting to grow. Uh, and I'm starting to have more consistency. I'm starting to have, uh, the marketing is being better. I'm more confident in the sale. All the other things we've talked about, you know, over the previous, uh, you know, months and time together. What has to change over a period of time with what you just shared, um, that, any law firm owner, or practice, sort of running the operation side of things, needs to keep in mind: like what are the what are the un, what are the landmines that they are not aware of yet, even if they
1: implemented everything today? Oh my god, I am trying to think of how to answer this question. There's so many different ways I can answer this question. <laughs> um, could you be a little bit more specific? Just yeah. Give me a little bit so, would you say point. like
2: you know, uh, there's a practice that's doing quarter million a month? Uh, and they're implementing the marketing and they're implementing the sales. A $3 million law firm. A, qu- a quarter million a, a year. So 250 grand a year. Oh, a year. Okay. Yeah. So a quarter, a quarter million a year uh, law made, practice. 20,000 a month. Got it. Give or take. And what are yeah, the things that, that they need to keep in mind they, when they hit that million?
1: They're getting close to me. You're good. <laughs> yeah. The room is filling up. Nice. All right. Uh, okay. So I, I apologize. I, I got a little distracted. I lost. I lost. What were you saying? If uh, practice owner firm is a two hundred fifty thousand dollars firm doing roughly twenty thousand dollars a month in gross revenue. Yep. What
2: are the landmines or the things that they are, you know don't necessarily see around the corner? Like there's costs. Like one of my mentors early on said all of the difficult challenges come in ones and threes. Your first hundred thousand, your first 300,000, your first million, your first 3 million, all of these sorts of things. So um, I don't necessarily entirely yeah. agree with it, but I oh, think yeah, that it's let's, it's,
1: not, it's- let's not dive into that, but I can tell no, you- No, exactly. but I'm saying- Yeah, but I, I can tell you- exactly, There are, yeah, know there
2: are exactly. things that have to change between
1: a quarter million a year to your first million a year. Yes, I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. Let's do it. Like, I didn't understand, but now I understand. And now I, 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 I this is very simple. Um. do the math for me, okay? Will you do the math? Yep. All right. Ready? Yep. All right. So the the uh, a $250,000 a year law firm grossing $20,000 a month. It's grossing $20,000 a month. That means the owner of the law firm probably does not have a lot of extra money to hire a staff of people to help them, right? There's, you yep. can't get a gallon out of a pint. You get what I'm saying? Yep. Which means the owner of the law firm is doing almost everything themselves. They're doing the marketing, they're doing the sales, they're doing the legal production, they're doing the paralegal work, they're doing the legal secretary work, they're doing the reception work, they're doing the they're doing everything themselves, right? Yep. Okay. How many weeks a year do you think they're probably looking to give the business? Uh, looking or the actuality, they're probably how many looking hours. How many weeks a year do you think they want to give the business? Uh, 40 to 45. 46 is about the average that we find. Okay. Right. Because if you add up Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, all the major holidays that add up to two weeks right? So unless you're planning at the beginning of the year, unless you're planning to work on Christmas, work on New Year's, work on Thanksgiving, work on all the major holidays, unless you start the year saying, I'm planning to work on all the major holidays, boom, the first two two weeks is off the table. Now we're down to only 50 out of 52 weeks. Yeah? Yeah. And then the next thing is, unless you start the year saying to your family, family, I'm planning not to take a vacation this year. I'm planning not to see you for a vacation this year. I'm going into this year with the intention of not taking a vacation this year. No, you're probably going to want to take a two-week vacation with your family. So now we're down to 48 weeks, right? Yep. All right. Now, unless you're planning to say to your family, listen, I hope none of you get sick. And I hope none of you have an emergency. And I hope none of you need me for anything. And I hope none of you have any great things that you're planning to celebrate that you want me there for because I won't be there. No. Most people want to be there for weddings, birthdays, bar mitzvahs, funerals, graduations, sick days, parent-teacher conference days, school field trips. The roof leaked, and I'm going to stay home and deal with it so my spouse can go do what they need to do. You get what I'm saying? 100%. Most reasonably emotionally healthy adults... That happens. You don't realize it's happening, but if you actually pay attention, happens about two weeks out of the year. So now you got two weeks of major holidays, two weeks of vacation and two weeks of life's going to happen to you. You got six weeks. You're down to 46 weeks a year realistically that you got to work with. So you got 46 weeks. You got how I got there? Yep. All right. Now, the next question is, how many hours do you think that the average $250,000 a year, basically sole practitioner wants to give the business all in? Uh, all in? I couldn't tell. 45 I'd say, 50 hours a week. Yeah. I was going to guess 50 hours a week. Let's say 50 hours a week. Okay. Now you got to do the marketing during those 50 hours. You got to do the sales during those 50 hours. You got to do the follow up on the sales with those 50 hours. You got to, uh, do you got to do the financial controls during those 50 hours you have to do you have to do some sort of documenting policies and systems and procedures if you're ever going to grow the firm you got to invest some time doing that kind of stuff during those 50 hours oh by the way and you have to do legal production work too you with me yep so out of those 50 hours let's say that the owner of that firm is like really efficient and they're actually able to bill Half, 25 hours a week. Okay. Which there's been survey after survey and study after study, which suggests that's optimistic. But let's just call it 25 hours a week. You with me? Yep. 25 times 46 is how many hours a year are we expecting to actually be able to produce and bill to our clients? Assuming, by the way, we don't forget to bill a bunch of stuff.
2: 1150. 1150. 46 times
1: 25 is 1150. Yep. Okay, and uh, now everyone watching this, you can add, you can multiply that times your real's times your 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 billable rate. Do you have a sense of what your average billable rate is amongst your insurance? Uh,
2: ranges from two hundred to five hundred plus. So just say let's 250. say three hundred
1: an hour. Three hundred. Yep. So eleven fifty times three hundred is how much? Three forty five. Three forty five. Now out of that three forty five, I'm telling you we got to take at least 15% and throw it in the garbage because that's work that they're doing that they're not billing for. Yep. So what? let's deduct 15% from that, throw that in the garbage. And what are we at? Uh, 293. Okay. And let's just for argument's sake, assume that another 5% ends up in accounts receivables. And if you only have 5% in accounts receivables... Chances are you have much bigger than a two hundred fifty thousand dollar law firm because the bigger the firm is, the smaller the accounts receivable percentage becomes. Because you bring in professional financial managers to help you reduce your accounts receivables, but when you're all by your lonesome, accounts receivables tend to be higher. So let's whittle that down and just call it around two fifty ish a year. You with me? Yep. So does everyone follow how I got there? Does Does sound like reasonable, realistic? assumptions to make very much so great so now the question is how do i get the firm to the next stage of growth because the first stage of growth tends to stop around 250 300 ish thousand dollars. and the reason is because the lawyer runs out of time there isn't more time unless you're willing to sacrifice time with your family which i don't want you to do or sacrifice time for your health which I don't want you to do, there's just not enough time, right? And there's only so much you can raise your rates to make up the difference. And so what you need to do is make better use of the time you've got. And that means hiring people to do things that you don't need to be doing. Hire hire an assistant. Hire someone to manage and control your calendar. Hire a secretary to book your appointments, to follow up on things, to run around behind you and clean up the mess so that you don't waste time because you need to spend more time on productive activities. The highest and best use of a person's time, of a lawyer's time, is um, marketing. Marketing, because without marketing, there's no sales to make. Sales is second. And without sales, there's no legal work to get done. And without legal work, there's no money coming in. And then you go out of business. You follow me? 100%. So, first is marketing. Second is sales. Third is making sure the legal work gets done. And I want to circle back to the way that I said that very intentionally. Fourth is Uh, making sure the firm actually gets paid for the work that's being done. And fifth is doing the work yourself. Now, the way most lawyers, the way most broke, struggling lawyers who never grow their firm past $250,000, and these could be great lawyers, but the reason they never get out of this trap is because they put this in the wrong order. It's like putting on your shoes and then trying to put on your pants and then trying to put on your socks. It's the same things. You just have to do them in the right order for it to work better, right? The way most broke, struggling lawyers do this is first they say, I'm going to focus on doing the work. Well, if you're doing all the work yourself, there's no time left to do everything else. And then they say, "Uh, okay, I've run out of work to do. I now need to do marketing. And they turn the marketing on and they turn the marketing off and they turn the marketing on and they turn the marketing off and they create this, this. This feast or famine, and then they only bother to follow up with prospective new clients who didn't hire them, i.e., sales, when they're broke and desperate, which is the worst time to be talking to a prospective new client. And 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 then they only get around to doing the billing later on as an afterthought. So they they just do it in the wrong order. If you want to get your if you've been if you've been hitting that two hundred fifty thousand dollar barrier and you can't figure out how to get past it. Right, And by pass it, I mean $500,000, not $251,000. It's paradoxical. It's a function of doing less, not doing more. You don't have to work smarter. You have to work less. Do less of the secretary work. Do less of the paralegal work. Do less of the junior associate work. Does that make sense? 100%. 100%. You you don't save your way from 250000 in revenue to half a million to a million in revenue. You spend your way, but you got to spend it on freeing yourself to buy your freedom so you can focus on doing the things that are the higher and better use of your
2: time. And along the way, using the financial controls to keep a pulse on everything. So if you are overspending you can warrant it or justify it just closing the loop um, so that you have a much better pulse on where you're at and a much better pulse on the things that are the revenue generating activities that will allow you to grow the business using more who's and figuring everything else out on your own a lot less.
1: You know, Dre on that stage well, it's not there yet, but there will be a stage there. (laughs) Saturday night, we're going to have a celebration. Every January, we have a celebration of law firm owners whose law firm broke the seven-figure barrier for the first time in the previous year. This year, out of our 600 and something members, I think 25 or 30 of them, their firms broke the seven-figure barrier for the first time last year. That's not to say that... I mean... And and every year, you know, we've got fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, but this year we're gonna have like thirty whose law firm broke for the first time last year. And as part of the ceremony, we give them a little award. As part of the ceremony, they talk about things they did that made it harder on themselves than it had to be. And every year we do this, and we've been doing this for you know, I don't know, maybe 10 years. Every year we do this, every January. One of the themes over and over and over again, I made this harder on myself than it had to be because they wouldn't hire people soon enough to buy their freedom and they get stuck. It, uh, I can relate. I think
2: we've all been there in some form or fashion. It's one of those things that sometimes you got to get out of your own way. This is true. <laughs> this uh, is any true. parting thoughts that you want to make sure that we just uh, leave everyone with as we as we wrap up today?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm terrible at math. I don't have an MBA. I don't have a finance degree. I didn't study business in college. My undergraduate is communications, law, economics, and government. Don't for one second think that economics has anything to do with math or business or stuff like that. It doesn't. Um, I learned this. I I don't presume to be any smarter than you. Uh, There's a very good chance that you are smarter than me. I definitely don't work harder than you probably work. I learned this stuff. You can learn it too. If you are willing, I would love for my company to share resources with you and we'll share these for free to help you learn this stuff. If for whatever reason, you don't want to learn it from me, you don't want to learn it from how to manage a small law firm because you don't like our style or whatever, whatever, whatever. That's okay. I mean, it's disappointing to me, but don't, use that as an excuse. Don't make any excuses. You can learn this stuff. It's enormously liberating. I used to hate the financial management of my business. I literally have learned to love it. I love the monthly meetings when I sit down with my team and I go through the budget and I go through the budget variance report and I go through the cash flow projections. I literally love that time of the month. And you got to understand how much I used to avoid it and I hated it, but I learned how to do this, and you can too.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode from The Vault. If you want to hear more valuable lessons from Arjan, listen and subscribe to his newest podcast, Profit First for Lawyers. In this podcast, Arjan will guide you towards increased profits and financial satisfaction for your law firm. Learn more about the podcast and the book at www.profitfirstforlawyers.com.